First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who rejoice in the stories of changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Learn more at febc.org. And each story is just so special in its way of all these intricate details that you wouldn't even think about, but God brings everything together into this beautiful picture, every single piece of the puzzle, and it just becomes a beautiful weaving. Coming up now on First Person, you'll meet a Ukrainian woman who is deeply involved in helping her countrymen both spiritually and physically. Ines Sienkiewicz is our guest, and the conversation is just ahead. First Person is here every week at this time with the stories of people who have given their lives to Jesus Christ and are uniquely called to serve people in the name of Christ. The guest you'll meet today is one of hundreds that we've profiled over the years, and all of them are available for listening anytime at firstpersoninterview.com. We also have presence on Facebook where you can provide feedback and make suggestions. It's facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Enos Sienkiewicz was born and born again in Ukraine. Through the years, God has called her into various ministries, and today she works with Mission Eurasia, helping to tell the story of what God is doing for good in the midst of the terrible and unwanted war in her country. We'll have additional information at firstpersoninterview.com. Here is Ina with her story of faith. I grew up in a Christian home, um, very loving parents, uh, both grandparents on my both sides were also Christians. And, um, you know, you can imagine it was still under the Soviet Union and it was not easy for them. They were um, laughed at. And my mom at school, she told me stories and my dad um, and my grandparents too. But um, even in spite of that, uh, my grandfather on my mom's side was still a pastoring a small church in his village. And uh, he was very uh, respected and people always come came to him for um, for the word of advice or, um, you know, just get his counsel on things. And so that's the way I grew up. Um, the church was, um, I'm, I'm hoping they are not hearing this, it was a little legalistic. <laughs> and um, um, it was a little based on, uh, not based on, but I, I don't know even how to express it well. Um, it was um, all about, you know, serving God, living for Him, but... Um, kind of based on fear, mm-hmm. not out of love of God for us and our life and as an expression of love to Him for what He has done for us, but it was all about fear. You have to do things right. You have to live certain way, you know. Um, so, um, I had to um, overcome that with years, you know, and I, I was 19 when I, I made the decision to um, live for the Lord myself, and I remember I was reading a book by evangelist Vic Jacobson. He came to Ukraine, and I heard him personally speak. And then I was reading his book, and he just simply explained the, um, you know, the salvation and all that. And I just remember I read the book until like three or something in the morning, and I went on my knees. I asked God for forgiveness for all the things that I've done. And I said, God, I just want to live for you. And I just want to live for others the way you, you see best. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's, uh, that's, uh, that's probably more than you wanted to hear. No, that's great. I love hearing this story, you know, I really do. Uh, having that family that you had then, they, they, I'm sure embraced your decision to follow Christ. When, when did you, in those early days of becoming a believer then, 
Um, did you have a hunger for God's word? What What was the next step in you becoming a follower and and uh, getting serious about your faith, Ina? I think it all started even with me reading books about missionaries, uh, people who lived for God. And I think a lot of um, I got inspired by the, their examples. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, I wanted to study God's word for myself too, to, to know how to live more for him. And also is seeing the example of my grandparents and parents. So I, um, I had, you know, Bible studies in our church um, that we had to learn the verses. And although, you know, it was, uh, we had to learn them, but it also served for good because sure. even now, from time to time, those verses come back to me, Wayne. Mm-hmm. I just, um, I'm driving or I'm doing something and those verses just pop up in my head and, uh, um, so even because it was a little bit more of a kind of traditional and that's the way you had to do it, but it still served for, for good. And, um, and, uh, and like I said, God just speaks uh, through his word, um, um, throughout our lives. Yeah. That's wonderful to hear, Dina. Now, uh, I want to bring everyone up to date that you uh, serve on the staff of Mission Eurasia, and we'll talk more about that. But even before Mission Eurasia, you've had lots of experience in ministry in different countries even. Now, tell me where you, you've lived around the world. Um, so I lived in England for two years. I was with a ministry called Hope Now. Um, and uh, I also lived in Guatemala for five years with a ministry called Vidas Plenas. That's a local Guatemalan ministry. Okay. Now, how did you come to uh, Mission Eurasia? When did that relationship begin? And what was, what's your assignment been these years? I, it's a very interesting story. Um, I, 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 I thought that I was going to be in Guatemala for the rest of my life. You know, it was, I was a missionary and that's what I dreamed to be. And, um, and, uh, but then I really uh, strongly felt that God uh, took me back to my country. So I went, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And because I had had such an intense, um, you know, life in Guatemala um, that I thought maybe it's time to get a normal kind of job. Mm-hmm. And because you can be a missionary in your job too, you know. Of course. Uh, I am an English teacher by profession and a Ukrainian teacher. So I thought maybe a job like that or with my Spanish skills, I could find some job. And um, But just nothing came up. And I kept looking and looking and it just wasn't happening. So I remember I went on my knees and I said, okay, God, it's your turn now to show me the job that you have for me, because I cannot, I cannot see what what I what I want to do. Like so many opportunities, but nothing seems right. So it was then that somebody um, uh, from Mission Eurasia. It was uh, uh, my colleagues, my former colleague's wife. Um, we were talking. We had known each other for for a number of years, and she said, "What are you doing?" Um, and I said, "Actually, I'm looking for a job right now." And she said. I heard Mission Eurasia have an opening. Uh, would you consider coming to Kiev area? Because I was with my parents in central Ukraine. Okay. And I said, actually, I was thinking to go somewhere else, you know, to bigger city. And um, so I, um, through him, I, I actually had met um, uh, people from Mission Eurasia even before. Um, it's another story. But I just didn't think about them at that time or didn't even think about asking them anything. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, they invited me to come for an interview. I did. 
and um, later the same day they um, they asked that I <laughs> that I would come and join the team and um, which was a huge surprise to me because I didn't even expect that because I saw that everybody was you know so educated so such amazing people and I just um, thought you know I'm from a smaller town in Ukraine they could find much more skilled people for that uh, job position and so but anyways it was just what God had for me and um, and so I've been with them. It, it's going to be seven years this May, okay. actually. All right. Well, we first seven. met uh, you doing your work in uh, Irpin near Kiev with Mission Eurasia. And we met when I was there and you translated for our group and did such an excellent okay. job. Uh, and I, wanna, I don't want to get ahead of the story, but you're in the U.S. now. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But um, that building, we've told the story of the Mission Eurasia building being destroyed in the uh, in the Russian fighting, the Russian attack on Ukraine, uh, talk to me about um, your feelings about that. I mean, the 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 building obviously is is sitting in ruins right now, and it must be tough to think about that. It uh, really is hard to think about that, Wayne. Um, I still sometimes cannot believe it actually happened, and when I see the pictures, in my mind. It's just kind of, I don't know, it's a double reality sort of, because I still vividly remember it being a place of so much life. Mm-hmm. You know, it we always ha- had people there. Apart from working there and just um, loving that place, I lived there for a year because it has rooms, uh, it had rooms where people could stay and um, I didn't have a place of my own, so I I lived there. And then we always had conferences, seminars, we always had people who came for um, to ask uh, for scripture resources that they were going to distribute or uh, people who needed a place to stay uh, as they were on their way somewhere. And they came from many countries, didn't they? That's right. Yes. We had teams who came from the U.S. to do summer camps. So they would stay with us for a night and then they go uh, wherever they needed to go. Um, uh, or Ukrainians or some other people. We even had visitors from Chile that stayed with us even because they were um, they came to Ukraine to do some ministry and stayed with us. And so it was always full of life and light and people. So... Um, to see the the ruins, it's and uh, burnt uh, scripture. We had a warehouse full of uh, uh, scripture resources and other things uh, like humanitarian aid uh, that we that we had. All of it was um, you know blown up and burnt, and it was hard to see these pictures. It's still hard for me to believe that it's that it's actually not the way it was before. We'll continue meeting this woman from Ukraine, Ina Sinkevich, coming up on this edition of First Person. Stay with us. Here's Ed Cannon on the vision for FEBC's weekly podcast. The primary purpose of Until All Have Heard, of course, is to share the experience that FEBC has because we have staff on the ground in so many oppressive places. But in addition to that, we're trying to speak to you in a way that only the kind of testimonies you'll hear from around the globe can do. Discover how the gospel is making a difference around the world. Search for Until All Have Heard on your favorite podcast platform or hear it online at febc.org. My guest is Ina Sinkevich. Did I pronounce that correctly? 
Yes, Excellent. you did. Okay, I've been practicing that, Ina. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, Ina's with Mission uh, Eurasia, um, serving a number of years near Kiev in the home office, or the field office, rather, of Mission Eurasia. But the ministry uh, changed radically when the war began. I, I say the, the war began, the Russian attack that began in February of 2022. Where were you when that happened, Ina, and what were your circumstances? Um, I actually came to the U.S. Uh, just a little bit before it happened. Um, I came uh, because I had some health issues that I couldn't resolve in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And uh, my friends um, invited me to come and paid for my flights and uh, for my doctor visits. And so I was here when uh, we heard about the, um, you know, the buildup of Russian troops on the border, uh, close to the border, border with Ukraine and all the things. And it was just unbelievable how everything was just, you know, developing so fast. And um, I won't go into much detail, but um, but I stayed here in the U.S. and um, and I just heard from my family and colleagues on on how things were happening. Uh, and I just, I just couldn't believe because Wayne, I was not, I did not believe it was going to happen. Mm. Uh, and everybody that I knew uh, just did, could not, you know, believe. And we heard from the news, actually from Western media, mm -hmm. because our media didn't talk much about it. Um, so we heard from Western media that it was going to happen. But I honestly can say that we did not believe. And I even said myself, I said, if something were to happen, it would happen in Eastern Ukraine, where we've already had trouble, right. you know, for a number of years. And, um, but to brutally invade and um, start attacking all these cities, it was just beyond, beyond what we could have ever imagined. You have to look at it, though, that God strategically placed you where you are so that you could help the Ukrainian people from the U.S. And that's what you've been doing. And by the way, you must have been very concerned for your family. They're all okay. Yes, thank you. Uh, my parents, um, like I said, they live in uh, central Ukraine. So when the war started, of course, nobody knew what was going to happen. And we all thought, you know, just a couple of days and uh, they will occupy us. We know they're way bigger than us. And as you know, the army was uh, like second largest army in the world. You know, we were like, okay, we're done with Ukraine mm. now. So my parents and um and uh, some of my uh, dear people left, um, my brothers and uh, nephews and all that. Um, so my parents and um, some of my uh, family left uh, Ukraine and uh, they went to, to other countries uh, near Ukraine. But then as a few months went by and we saw that, you know, my parents could still come back. And um, yes, it was relatively safe, but it was not in the area of um, the where the most fighting was taking place. So they went back home. Okay. They just wanted to be home. Of course, um, everybody does. Yeah. So they're mm -hmm. they're home in Ukraine now. Yes, they are home. Uh, and one of my brothers is also home, uh, not home, but in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, he and his wife are working in Western Ukraine. And um and of a lot of my other relatives and, and uh, friends, um, as I said, they are relatively safe because missiles still hit uh, all over Ukraine. They still hear the air raid sirens. Uh, electricity still uh, is, um, uh, there are still power outages and uh, and other things connected to the war. But they, they, they want to yeah. be there, um, home in their country with their people. Um, well, so do, do I, but uh, yeah. as you said, God wants me here for now, so 
Mm. I want to do as much as I can from here. Yeah, well, these are perilous times in your home country. We do pray f- uh, for your family and uh, pray that they will remain well and safe during this time. As I was started to say, God has strategically placed you in the U.S. to work with Mission Eurasia. Tell me what you are able to do. Mission Eurasia, and I, I think our listeners, regular listeners, know the scope of this ministry. We've been reporting on this for a year now in terms of uh, hundreds of thousands of meals have been distributed, uh, food packages, the eye care program, wood stoves, wood-burning stoves have been built and provided. But tell me what your role in all this has been, Ina. Wayne, I think I... I can honestly say I I think I have the the best work the best job actually <laughs> because my work is uh, well I'm in communications so uh, more than anything my work involves right now um, um, gathering stories from the field so um, well it's much more information some of it can connected to statistics and and all that but more than anything it's stories from our partners from our field workers from our volunteers so i gather those stories and sometimes you know sometimes somebody just tells me on the phone quickly because as they are going to their next point you know uh, where um, they are providing help and they just quickly tell me and then i write it down uh, or i translate them if they come to to us in ukrainian and then I um, uh, deliver these stories to our American office, to our partners, donors who are involved in all this work and uh, who pray for us regularly. And um, so that they could also feel and see what's happening and how their support is helping uh, people on, on the ground in mm-hmm. Ukraine. Many, many wonderful stories, but many heartbreaking stories as well. How do you handle the emotion of that as, as someone who's... who's um, seen all these stories come through yes um sometimes it's very hard um i i have to be honest i have to kind of process it and just pray and give it back to god god you're allowing this you are working in their lives um i just want to you to share this this burden with me and i just have to come to him for help because i just cannot imagine um, what people go through and sometimes I see a picture of a lady standing by her ruined home and I see my mom in her and I'm like mm-hmm. it could have been my mom mm-hmm. losing all her whole the whole home probably loved loved ones or maybe other things that she had all the things that she worked for all her life everything was destroyed there and uh, then I see a lady um, you know uh, with her just little bag of things that that's all that's all she has and I think of my mom again, or I see people, or just recently I heard of a, some a guy that was killed um, in the war, and I think it could have been one of my brothers. And, um, and it just breaks my heart every single time I hear these stories. And like I said, I have to come to God and ask Him to help me cope with that and just, and just know that um, no matter how hard it is, He is still in it, and He is still with people who are suffering, um, with them and helping them go through this and helping through people like um, like us, like Mission Eurasia, like churches, uh, other Christians who are there for them, who are embracing them and helping them go through this hard time. Yeah. You know, among the reports that you are gathering and sharing with us are many, many reports of people turning to Christ and in the midst of this tragedy, that's one of the amazing parts of this story, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we hear um, time and time again how people um, 
um, were helped, and through that help, um, they uh, they became Christians, or they saw how Christians were helping. They joined them to to help, and they became Christians through that. Just so many different stories of how things happened. So I'm thinking of one specific story now. Um, a lady, uh, her name is Olena, and uh, she and her husband and her daughter uh, lived in uh, Kharkiv area. Uh, from the beginning of the war, that was the area that was uh, targeted, and sure. that's where a lot of Russian troops were. And she and uh, her uh, her family um, had a car, so they got in the car, and they um, just in time they were uh, they were driving, and they heard the shelling, and praise God they were safe. And um, as they were going, and she said. I closed my eyes because uh, I saw dead bodies on the side of the roads, burnt cars. And she said, I closed my eyes because I couldn't bear the sight of what I saw just in complete disbelief. And, um, and I, and I was like, I want to pray, but I don't even know how to pray. And she said, and then I suddenly remembered how my mom prayed. And she said, I started saying those words to God. And I said, if we survive through this, I will go and find a church to go and thank God for um, keeping us safe. So she arrived to a city of Poltava, which is a safer city right now. And um, so she asked her acquaintances that she was staying with. She said, do you know of any church here nearby? I want to go and thank God that he protected us. And she pointed out to a church uh, called Light of Life. Um, and um, she went to the church, you know, just to thank God. That's all she had in mind, just to go thank God. But of course, um, since they left in a hurry, they didn't have any food, anything with them. And so she comes to church uh, to thank God. And that's where she meets uh, the Christians who not just, um, you know, welcome her to the church, but they said, oh, you are, you know, you're running away from your home. Is there anything we can do for you? We have food packages. I care for food packages, our food packages. Because we have uh, a lot of partners that we work in partnership with. And of course, they distribute our packages and scripture resources. They give her the food. She was just so touched. She just did not expect that. Yes, she needed it, but she never went to church to ask for anything. And so she was so touched that she and her family started coming uh, to church to learn about uh, God more to learn about these Christians who who were so nice to her, who extended this helping hand and um, and uh, blessed her with uh, what she needed. You know, answered her need. And as she 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 realized that it was God who provided for her in that way through His people, and um, that's when she started coming to church, and and her whole family did. Mm. And um, and that uh, story can be repeated thousands of times, can it? It's just one story out of like thousands, and they are so different. And each story is just so special in its way of how all these intricate details that you wouldn't even think about, but God, how God brings everything together into this beautiful picture, every single piece of the puzzle, and it just becomes a beautiful weaving of His. I'm so grateful that Ina is chronicling these stories coming out of Ukraine at this time in history. These courageous people of faith are teaching us much about how to survive in the midst of untold suffering and loss. Our guest has been Enos Inkevich of Mission Eurasia. And if you'd like to learn more about the various ways that this ministry is providing spiritual and humanitarian assistance in Ukraine, please visit firstpersoninterview.com for links. Another ministry very active in war-torn Ukraine is the Far East Broadcasting Company. 
With radio stations, online programs, and counseling, FEBC has also seen people turn to Christ during this war. When you visit febc.org, you'll find videos and reports documenting the important work FEBC is doing. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person.